welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Um, you remember those five or one brownies and cookies and all that jazz? Yeah, the ones that made me practically crap my pants in high school? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Speaking of bloating, I always wondered why I always felt so bloated in college. Hmm. You know, for me, it was the sugar-free gum. I was always chewing oh. so much sugar-free gum that by the time I'd get home from school or I'd go to the gym, I literally had like a distended abdomen. And I was like, what the hell am I doing wrong? But it was all of this sugar alcohol in the sugar-free gum, which we'll talk about later on this podcast, but that was the thing that really screwed with my digestive system. Did you know that my first ever New Year's resolution in seventh grade was to stop chewing gum with sugar in it? Really? Isn't that weird? Like the bubba gum? It was like juicy fruit Mm. and the fruit stripe gum and the stuff that came in those bags when you went and played baseball and softball. Yes, all those things. I had a friend who told me that her teeth were her teeth were really white and Mm. she said that it was because she didn't chew gum with sugar in it and so I believed her and I made a new year's resolution to never chew gum with sugar in it ever again you know I remember when sugar-free gum was really popular and there was all the trident ads they always talked about how it made your teeth white and that was the big pool for sugar-free gum yes the trident white I remember that very well did you ever chew the gum that would come out as tape like the the gum tape. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What was that called? I don't know, but it makes my mouth water. Like thinking about <laughs> all these different gums. But this podcast is not about gum. I mean, I guess we just kind of. talked about how it can cause bloating if you choose a lot of sugar-free gum. But we are going to talk all about bloating and constipation. So honestly, this might be our sexiest podcast yet. Pretty much. We're going to talk about diarrhea. Mm. We're going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty sexy. Farts. What comes in has to go out. And so people in our office oftentimes, they'll tell me like, sorry for being so graphic. But I'm like, no, give me more information. I need to know what's going on with the di- your digestive system. Mm-hmm. I think working in a hospital as a dietitian really trained us for anything yeah. poop, fart, gut related. Yeah. The smells. You worked on a gastrointestinal unit, didn't mm-hmm. you? Oh mm-hmm. my God. I only covered that a few times and I remember just going up there and having to give myself a pep talk like, all right, Kate, the smells, they're not going to be pleasant, <laughs> but this is why they barely pay you anything at all. <laughs> so if you're squeamish at all about gross stuff, maybe just skip forward, but we're going to be talking about bloat, constipation, diarrhea, digestive issues, and maybe clear up some things for you if these are things that you've been dealing with. Yeah, we get a lot of people who, when they make their appointments with us, they'll list out what they're trying to learn from our session, what their goals are. And I've been seeing a lot of people write, resolve, bloat. And whenever I see someone mention bloat, that always sets off a little light bulb in my head to ask a lot of questions. I almost become like a gut detective. I want to know exactly what bloat means to them because the spectrum is quite 
vast. Is it just a little bit of bloating after a meal or is it so painful and interrupting your quality of life and you're not sure what's causing it? What exactly does bloat mean? So in this podcast, we're really going to talk about what is normal or natural, uh, what causes bloating, how to resolve bloating, and then we're going to talk more about constipation if that's something that you're struggling with uh, because these topics are really interrelated and give you some tips to help relieve constipation. So one of the main questions that we always ask is, when is this bloating occurring? Is it something that when you first wake up in the morning, you feel bloated and you feel bloated all day? Or is it occurring after certain meals? Or is it just that you wake up in the morning and you feel your skinniest and at the end of the day, you feel your fattest? Yep, the morning skinny is what I call it. You wake (laughs) up and that's when you want to check yourself out and then after breakfast or after lunchtime, that feeling just goes away. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just normal. Your stomach is naturally going to expand as you're moving around, you're breathing in air, you're gulping, you're eating, and you're putting food and drink in your stomach. There is a natural expansion. It's going to happen no matter who you are. Exactly. So that is very normal. So if you're coming to us and you're thinking that you have problems with bloat, first we need to determine whether that's just a natural thing that you're going through that everybody goes through or there's actually something going on with your digestive system that's causing excess bloat. Kind of a thought I had when we were preparing for this and I was thinking about the clients who I've had whose main issue they say is bloat and through our sessions we uncover that it's really not bloating. Sometimes it seems like resolving bloat has become more of this socially acceptable way to say I want to lose weight or mm-hmm. I want to lose tummy fat. Mm-hmm. It's less, I don't know. I want to feel less bloated. It, nobody's going yeah. to fault you for that. Whereas if you're like, I want to lose 10 pounds, people might be like, it's not about weight. Mm-hmm. Love yourself as you are. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just you just said kind of what I was thinking and couldn't put words mm-hmm. to. Because if you're with people and you're like, I feel bloated, people are going to like sympathize with mm-hmm. you. Like, oh, and... me too. I'm so bloated. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. Right. And you like sit down, you're like my food, baby. And it's almost it's like, better. You get that validation. That you feel better than being like, I'm so fat. And then your friend's like, I'm so fat too. But <laughs> you're all just like, I'm just, we're all bloated. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, that was just kind of a random thought I had. So whenever someone tells me that they're coming in for bloat, and they come in and they're fit as a fiddle, I'm like, hmm, okay, let, let's let's really dissect this and see what's going on. There are a lot of food-related things that can cause bloat, though, so we're not going to dismiss and say that all bloating is normal and natural. There right. are some things that can really screw up your digestive system, including certain foods. And yes. I think more often than not, it's not necessarily as extreme as people think it is because if you have symptoms after eating something you know it Mm -hmm. like your gut instinct I guess no pun intended there knows that something you ate is off you might experience a lot of gas you might have some immediate pain and your abdomen might distend Uh, you might feel a little bit crampy some people get sweaty and fatigued if it's really extreme or you might be running to the bathroom because you have diarrhea Hey, Megan here, the co-host of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. So in our private practice, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers, and I recognize that many of the traits that made them successful in business were actually detrimental to their health. So I wrote a book about it. In my book, 
The Optimized Life, I pinpoint six different personality traits that hold you back from reaching your health and wellness goals, as well as laying out a series of steps to overcome those obstacles and help you reach your ultimate health and wellness goals for good. Whether you're in the beginning stages of a side hustle or a seasoned entrepreneur with multiple businesses under your belt, the Optimized Life will provide you with the systems you need to forever change your relationship with food, diets, and exercise. But don't just take my word for it. Here's an Amazon review from a reader. I can honestly say this book has changed my life. First off, everyone who knows me knows I don't read books often, and I had a hard time putting this down. I actually finished the book. I have tried every fad diet there is, and I've struggled with weight loss my entire life. I can finally say I found a sustainable and healthy way of living, and I'm no longer dieting. The education this book provides is all backed with research and knowledge and is really an eye-opener to a lot of things. I've never been a morning person and for the first time in my life, I have not needed an alarm clock and have been up before 7am for almost a month straight. Who am I? The entire book, I kept thinking, is she speaking directly to me? It's so relatable and easy to read. I love that I feel so confident and no longer have to worry about quitting my diet or falling off the wagon because this is my new way of life. I worked with Megan before reading the book, and all of her knowledge and this book helped me to lose 60 pounds. The 60 pounds is an awesome accomplishment, but my favorite part is that I don't have a bad relationship with food anymore. I'm still working on myself, but for the first time, I'm listening to my body and fueling it like it deserves. 10 out of 10 recommend this book to anyone, not only people trying to lose weight, but anyone who wants a healthier life. So, don't just take my word for it. Get the book. It is available on Amazon and it is called The Optimized Life. When I was in college, I felt like I was very bloated to the point where I looked almost pregnant mm -hmm. on some days. And I would have a lot of issues after eating, diarrhea, smelly gas, pain, all the things. Went to the doctor. They gave me a blanket diagnosis of IBS, mm -hmm. which that's <laughs> you'll run into that a lot. If you go to the doctor, you say you have digestive issues, they'll be like, oh, you have IBS. Take a probiotic. They gave me pills, some kind of prescription. I don't even remember what it was now and told me to take it every single time I ate. And so I had to take a pill every time I ate and it didn't help mm. at all. And so I'm like, what is going on here? And then I learned about lactose intolerance. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so prior to that, I mean, I had been eating cereal and milk for breakfast every day for my entire life. And then I learned as you age, you lose some of that ability to be able to digest lactose. And so my body was losing the ability to digest milk. And once I took that out of my diet, guess what went away? All of your symptoms. The bloat, the pain, the diarrhea, the smelly gas, it all went away as soon as I took that out of my diet. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say now I can tolerate milk and dairy a lot better than I could then, mm -hmm. but that's because my diet now is a lot better than it was then, meaning you can help your body to get better at mm -hmm. digesting foods. It's not this sentence of you can never have dairy ever, ever again. It's figuring out what dairy you can tolerate. And on a case-to-case -case basis, maybe you can't have milk every single day, mm -hmm. but you might be able to have yogurt every day, or you might be able to have milk once a week and not have any kind of issue. So it's really learning to work with your body. And then also, as we'll talk about later, helping to improve your gut bacteria to improve your digestion. Too. Yeah. So you just have to pay attention to your mm -hmm. own symptoms and do the work of noticing, oh, what actually is causing this uncomfortable 
feeling? Is it something that happens right after a meal? And then what am I eating and what can I play with? Mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of people blame gluten sensitivities, yeah. but it seems like lactose intolerance is a lot more common than gluten. Mm-hmm. Gluten just seems to be the first thing that people jump to or assume is causing them some issues. But when you have gluten sensitivities, I feel like it's pretty extreme mm-hmm. and you'd know it, whereas the lactose sensitivities are a lot more subtle. So it because it depends. So if you eat something like yogurt, like we talked about, because there are probiotics mm-hmm. in yogurt, your body may not have that same reaction as it does to something like ice cream. Mm-hmm. So ice cream is high in lactose, and that's going to cause more issues than something like a hard Parmesan cheese, mm-hmm. which is aged and fermented, which means your body is going to have less trouble digesting something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not this oh, it has gluten or it doesn't, or it has lactose or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The thing with gluten, too, is a lot of high-gluten foods are also high-fat foods, mm-hmm. so they'll tend to sit in your stomach. For example, if you have a burger with fries because that bun has gluten on, in it, you may think, oh, I felt so terrible after I had that. Mm-hmm. Must that, have been the that gluten. That bun had gluten in it. I have a feeling if you replace that with a gluten-free bun, you're probably still going to feel the same way because those high-fat foods really sit in your stomach for a long time. It Mm -hmm. takes longer to digest them, and you will feel full and bloated Mm -hmm. after having a meal like that. It's normal. I think it's just easy to point to one thing because we're humans and we like to pinpoint one problem and just say, hey, this is the issue. This is it. I can't eat gluten anymore. Uh, But then people still do it anyway. (laughs) It never really... um, solves the main issue, which might be how much you're eating or what you're eating or your overall diet. I have a lot of people who noticed, like you were saying in, in the about lactose, is they can have yogurt, no problem, but a glass of milk will rip them up. So right. there are different concentrations of lactose in different foods, so it's all about playing with the portion control. And then there are other foods that can cause bloating at less of a severe Uh, degree. And those would be things that you commonly have heard your whole life, maybe things like broccoli or cruciferous vegetables, beans, lentils. Uh, We all know the beans, beans, the magical fruit. (laughs) The more you eat, the more you toot. Those things are going to cause more distension in your stomach. It's normal. It goes away. Just make sure you're drinking adequate fluid to help relieve that bloat. And keeping in mind, drinking through a straw and Mm -hmm. carbonated beverages, anything where you're taking in air, Mm -hmm is going to create air in your stomach. And that's just life and that's just how it is. So you make the choice. Do I want to drink through a straw? Maybe I'll be a little bit more bloated Mm -hmm. or do I want to stay away from those kind of things and be a little less bloated? Yeah, it all just depends. I notice that if I have two of those LaCroix or those sparkling waters, I feel pretty distended. One, Mm -hmm. I don't really notice a difference. Two, I'm like, "Mm, okay, I feel a little bit burpy. I feel a little bit bleh, especially if I drink them through a straw. Right. And the, the, Broccoli thing, that's not a reason to stay away from Mm -hmm. broccoli in any way. It's just a reason to drink more water and make sure that you have enough fluid to push that through your system so it doesn't get stuck. And if we're going to talk about constipation, one thing that we want our clients to do is to continue, or if they haven't, eat a high-fiber diet, just match the fluids. You have to drink enough fluid to break down those specific fibers to help things move through. So the last thing you want to do is start going on this overly restrictive diet where you might be missing out on key nutrients or under eating. You're still going to experience the same symptoms. You just need to make sure you're hydrating and eating a balanced diet. And that's where working with a dietitian can really help you because we'll audit what you average eat in a week or so and help you pinpoint exactly 
what things could be causing the issues, where to make changes, where to add things, where to shift things around. And that way you don't have to do a complete life change. You don't have to eliminate a whole food group if you don't have to. You just have to make different changes to your overall diet. And I find people see changes pretty quick. Absolutely. The thing with constipation, people don't want to hear this, but water is the number one thing to increase in your diet to help relieve constipation. Mm -hmm. And because it's such a low-hanging fruit, it doesn't seem like, oh, this is going to make a big change. And I've heard drink more water, drink more water, drink more water. But it is the number one thing that helps your poop move along Mm -hmm. in your body because when you're creating fiber you're creating when you're eating fiber you're creating bulk in your stool if you don't have enough water to move that bulk through it's Mm -hmm. going to just sit there Mm -hmm. so when people say well maybe I'm, i'm probably not drinking enough water but that's probably not the issue and i say okay let's make Mm -hmm. a goal drink 90 ounces of water a day or whatever it is based on that person and their exercise and how much they're sweating and all of that and let's see what happens Mm -hmm. and most of the time if they stick to that they start going to the bathroom every day yep exactly when you were talking about how fiber is bulked in your stomach i just got this visual of like a river and i think that's the best way to think about it if you think about a bunch of like let's say i don't know seaweed or debris or i guess seaweed wouldn't be in a river i don't know i'm not good at these nature things but a whole bunch of stuff just keeps piling up and clogging your river if the water's low and it's not flowing it's just gonna sit there like food would in your digestive tract so you need to get the water moving and get things flowing I find that some people who might have maybe a little bit of fear about bloating or looking any bigger than they think they do are most resistant to drinking more water because they think like oh if I add more fluid in isn't that going to make my stomach expand it's like maybe for a little short time but overall you need to be putting fluids in so that this can get unclogged for lack of a better term this is also the number one reason why you can't poop when you go on vacation yeah because you're not drinking enough water you get on the plane and the plane is this recycled dry air and you get this tiny little water bottle (laughs) or the little like four ounce water or coke or whatever you drink on the plane and then it's a three hour flight or a four hour flight or whatever it is it took you an hour to get to the airport an hour to wait and so it's like there's six seven hours Mm -hmm. of your day spent without a whole lot of fluid and people wonder why they can't go to the bathroom and they think oh it's because it's nervous i'm nervous or it's because it's like not my home toilet or whatever (laughs) it is like it's probably because you're dehydrated yeah more than likely Uh, I was just thinking how some people really struggle to drink a lot of water and they don't think about drinking water. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have a few clients, I can think of them right now, who are really good at executing a lot of their diet goals. They can eat specific things. They're almost anal about a bunch of different things in their diet. They don't have problems exercising. They don't have problems doing this or that. But hydration is so hard. I think this usually happens with people who are workaholics or really busy and they're just so dialed into their task that they forget to respond to their body's natural cues. And it's almost easier for them to set timers to eat or to have a meal because there's more social cues that at least guide them in that direction. Like, all right, we're taking a lunch break. You've got 30 minutes for lunch, but they just forget to drink water. Mm -hmm. And what are some of your favorite tips? I'll share some of mine too, for people that just have trouble hitting water goals that can barely get enough hydration in and just struggle with this. My first thing is like figuring out, do you really need more water? Mm -hmm. So asking them like, are you going to the bathroom every day? And is it easy to go to the bathroom? Do you feel thirsty? Mm -hmm. So if they don't feel thirsty, if they're going to the bathroom, fine. If they're peeing and it's not a dark 
yellow color, then you're fine. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry about just drinking water for the sake of drinking water. Some people need more water than others. So if we determine you do need more water, then obviously finding a water bottle that you like to drink out of. Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty particular about the type of water bottle I like to drink out of. And I feel like a lot of other people are too. I've had some clients who like, they really enjoy those little tiny plastic water bottles and for whatever reason that's like that'll Mm. help them drink water because they they get through the four ounce or the eight ounce one they're like okay i got through one ready to go get the other one they just refill it and then they drink it again and then i have some people are like absolutely i would never drink out of that yeah so really figuring out like what's your favorite way to consume it i love it really helps the mouthfeel yeah I used to have a Nalgene water bottle. The mouth was so big. It was like this big circle. And I would not drink out of it because the water would like spill out on me. (laughs) Then I got the small nozzle one and I loved it. I think a lot of people have weird emotional connections with their water bottle too. I see people (laughs) put like stickers on it and they carry it everywhere. I mean, that's like me with my water cups. I treat them like little pets. Right. So uh, forming an emotional attachment to (laughs) your water bottle. I think another way once you find a water bottle that you like to help you start drinking more is as basic as it sounds is setting timers. Some people have it on their Apple Watch. Some people use it on their phone. Some people just know when the clock start strikes at the hour to drink eight ounces or whatever feels good to them. Mm-hmm. And it's strange because as you start consuming more water and getting used to it, you get more attuned to your body's natural thirst cues and it becomes right. automatic and drinking water is going to be something you don't even think about. It's just like any other habit. You just have to practice it, and soon your body's just going to gravitate towards hydration anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you're really struggling with the taste of water, and you're also struggling with bloating, this can be a little bit difficult because ideally you probably want to be drinking more flat water than all the sparkling waters, but adding some lime, some lemon juice, adding something to make your flat water a little bit more enticing can help motivate you to drink it. Yeah, and you can throw in some of those things like the sparkling waters or a green tea or even some black tea that you brew yourself. Coffee counts towards your hydration. I don't want you drinking 30 ounces of coffee every single day, but it does still count towards your fluid intake and so does food. Mm -hmm. So foods like watermelon and mangoes and strawberries and things that are filled with fluid also help go towards your hydration goals and help with constipation as well. That's such a good point to bring up because if we have clients who are fasting in the morning, they often have to really prioritize making sure that they're hydrating because they're missing out a lot of fluid from the meals that they would be eating earlier in the day. Right, exactly. That makes me think about the whole kombucha thing Mm -hmm. too. So another way that you could get more hydration in, but what is kombucha in the first place? I know this is like a buzzword. People have probably heard of it, maybe don't know exactly what it is. It's just fermented tea. Um, And when something is fermented, that means there is bacteria in it. That means there's good bacteria in it. So in kombucha, there's always going to be sugar because the bacteria feeds off of sugar. I have had two clients start drinking kombucha every single day and see their constipation issues go away. Ooh, magic. Two, Two people. The first person... We just were looking for a way to get more probiotics in her diet and she hates yogurt and she hates sauerkraut and fermented veggies and things like that. But she loved kombucha and I was like, okay, let's drink one every single day. Let's see what happens. And she has not had an issue with constipation since. And so then I had another client with a similar situation. I was like, okay, let's try to do one a day and just see what happens. And again, like totally change their digestive system. So 
it works anecdotally, um, but what it's doing is it's help provide, helping to provide your body with that good bacteria, which helps you to break down foods mm-hmm. and helps things to move along. So that's just one example of um, one of the things that you can do in your diet to provide your body with that good bacteria. I like to drink kombucha or half of a kombucha after a meal because I think it's a nice little like sweet, tangy taste that mm-hmm. signals to me like, all right, we're done eating. And then it also just in my mind, I don't know, like, I guess it just makes sense. It's going to help break down all the food that I just ate, all those probiotics, just to help move things along. Mm-hmm. What do you think about green powders for hydration? Um, I f- green powders, to me, are similar to a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's not going to hurt you to take that, but do I think that it's a solution? No, probably no. not. I still need you eating spinach and kale and kiwis and all of the green <laughs> stuff that they say is in there. But when you heat treat something and pulverize it into a powder, there's no way you're getting the same benefit from that as you are just picking spinach and putting it in a salad. Yeah, plus it tastes disgusting, so they have to add (laughs) sweeteners to it. I've seen so many green powders with sucralose and artificial sugars added, and it's just like, all right, come on. That almost contradicts all of the benefits that you're going to get from a green powder. Mm -hmm. If you're making a smoothie, put fresh spinach in it with fruit, and you're not even going to taste it. It's so much better than those nasty – I would watch these people on Instagram. They would take scoops of green powders or red powders or whatever color they were doing, and they'd put it in a glass of water – use a little hand emulsing blender thing and just chug it. And I'm like, why? And I'm like, that would make me feel bloated if I'm chugging water, just gulping this down because it tastes so bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see much of a benefit unless you absolutely hate vegetables and greens, in which I say, get over it. Like, maybe find a new way to <laughs> yeah, cook it. Sorry. Up. Yeah, grow up for real. But I really don't see much of a benefit to them at all. Don't waste your money. Yeah, and they're very expensive. So if you're going to come to me and tell tell me that eating healthy is expensive, you know what's expensive? Those green powders that you're buying. The one benefit I can conjure up is the placebo effect. Kind of Mm. like what we talk about with celery juice and lemon water. All those things are fine. They're just not magical. They're not cure-alls. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to help you anymore. But if they put you in that state of mind where you're having a natural green powder in the morning or you're drinking celery juice or you're doing whatever thing that you learned from TikTok, fine. If it just puts you in that healthy state of mind and makes you feel good. But if you're still experiencing issues despite those rituals, then you probably have to look at your overall diet and quick relying on another quick fix. And keeping in mind, if they do have artificial sweeteners, that's a major contributor mm-hmm. to boat, boat, <laughs> bloat, <laughs> gas, all of those digestive issues totally. too. Going back to the gum thing, sugar, alcohols do it for mm-hmm. me. I remember in college, I'd eat a Quest bar every morning for oh. breakfast. Yeah, first off, somebody commented this, this on our Instagram about like artificial sugars and, and how they make you poop yourself. And I remember someone seeing me eat a Quest bar and they're like, Quest bars, those make you poop. And I was like, what? And so then I would keep eating them. And I was like, sure enough, I did not (laughs) feel good after these. And that's because they're loaded with sugar alcohols and a bunch of fiber fillers. And that's why they taste the way they do without having a lot of carbohydrate. They're so high protein. They're full of fibers. So they they hold together and they're pumped full of sugar alcohols. So yeah, Godspeed. Yeah. Similar to those smart sweets. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, So all those like Swedish fish and gummy bears, 
118 calories per pack and have 10 grams of fiber yeah. in them. That What is fiber? Okay, fiber is what, if you look at a bean, you know the outside of the bean, how it has the outer mm-hmm. coating on it? Like, that's where fiber in food mm-hmm. is. Fiber in food should not be coming from a gel that <laughs> pumps into a gummy bear. Yeah. We know that fiber is really good for you. We know it's great for your digestive system. We know it decreases your risk of many different chronic diseases. But that's because those fiber-filled foods that you're eating also have a lot of other nutrients mm-hmm. and benefits in them as well. So now if we take that fiber and we put it in a gummy bear, are you still getting the same benefit from that? No. It, it takes the smart out of eating. It's <laughs> like, okay, like let's take this back. Like where did this gummy bear come from? <laughs> the ground? <laughs> this gummy bear was made in a factory with fiber gel in it how is that giving you the same benefit as the fiber in an apple newsflash it is not it's not and then you know what's so funny is like the people who are eating these kinds of things or big proponents of it are also the ones who shame fruit for having too much sugar Mm -hmm. or having you know blaming carrots saying that they're the highest sugar vegetable you shouldn't eat them no it's just marketing they recognize people want to eat sweets they want to eat candy they want to eat junk but they also want to be healthy so they come up with all these things in a lab they package it really cute i mean Mm -hmm. that's really cute packaging they place it in places that people who are health conscious with money are going to shop i went to a meal prep delivery service restaurant here and they had them out there and my friend got one i tried one and i was like yeah, it tastes like a Swedish fish. You look at the back at all the fiber, you don't want to eat that whole package in one <laughs> sitting, right? You're, you you don't want to. You're going to be paying for it. If you really enjoy Swedish fish, get a regular thing of Swedish fish and eat it on a special occasion. There's a reason why those Smart Sweets come in really small packages yeah. too, because if they came in the family size packages and people were eating them all, they would have a lot of complaints. Yeah, I'm, we'll just leave it at that. You can use your imagination. <laughs> Look at the Amazon reviews for sugar-free gummy bears if you don't know what I'm talking about, or the, the sugar-free gummy worms or something like that. I would say if you're thinking about something in your pantry or something that you've had and you're not really sure if it has sugar alcohols, flip that thing over and look at the label. It will list on the nutrition label, that black and white part, underneath total sugars, sugar alcohols. And it will tell you if there's sugar alcohols added. And typically when anybody's adding sugar alcohols to anything, it's not just like a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's usually pretty significant. Uh, You can also look at the ingredients list. And oftentimes I see that they add more than one. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll see xylitol, malitol. Those are the things in sugar-free gum. That's why they taste good but have no quote-unquote sugar. They don't have natural sugar. So just be careful about how many of those things you're consuming. I've had a lot of people who when they come in and they do actually have that bloating distension and we go through their diet recalls, they're drinking a lot of these um, powders or things that have those sugar alcohols. They're doing a lot of low-carb type of foods. All of those things added up throughout the day just really messes with your system because it's not sure what to do with all of these different ingredients. Your body knows how to break down an apple. It doesn't know how to break down these things as as efficiently, so it can really clog you up. Those sparkling ice drinks. Forget about them. Those are the worst. Oh my God. I had a poor client. He loves those things. He was drinking six a day. He loves those things. Yeah. Because they're like a dollar at the store and they're cute and they taste good. Mm -hmm. He was drinking six of those a day and a couple packets of Crystal Light. 
Oh, wow. And it was just like, you know, those things don't do anything for you except give you, like, something to do with your mouth. Mm -hmm. Like, you just want a taste of something. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before, and it's not the point of today's podcast, but those artificial sugars, they make you crave... Well, there's studies that are suggesting they probably make you crave more sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to limit how much sugar you're eating, you're trying to lose weight, and you're drinking these diet drinks, these icy drinks, these diet foods that have all these artificial sugars in them, knock it off. Because give give yourself a, a chance to trial a week without any of those things and see where your sugar cravings are. I've never had a client cut those things out and not felt better. Yeah. Whether it's because they've had decreased migraines, whether it's because their digestive system is healthier, or whether it's because they're just craving less sugary foods or less carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. they always feel better when they cut out these fake foods. We shouldn't Mm -hmm. be eating fake foods. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why it seems like it's too good to be true. It's because it is. Sorry. That's the hard facts. But then we'll go back and talk about actual intolerances briefly. Um, I've had one client who we explored a lot of different things that could be causing her bloating. Um, She had already tried elimination diets for gluten, lactose wasn't an issue. Um, She wasn't doing any artificial sugars. She wasn't really overeating. She wasn't undereating. We found that by eliminating garlic and onion from her diet, which are really high in something called FODMAPs, that she was able to feel relief and now she's gradually added those things back in and is not experiencing bloating to the same degree. I mean, hers was painful distension, like six, seven, eight out of 10 pain. Mm -hmm. And so FODMAPs, this is usually the last resort I would take with somebody who's experiencing a lot of IBS symptoms that we just cannot get to the bottom of, Mm -hmm. are just these uh, types of carbohydrate chains that are really, really hard for some people's bodies to digest. The FODMAP, I'm not going to say the whole word because I'm going to screw it up, but it's just a long word for a chain that of a certain saccharide. It's F-O-D-M-A-P-S mm-hmm. if you would like to look it up. And they're yeah. just a bunch of different types of carbohydrates that may or may not cause digestive issues. It's very rare. It's very rare. <clears throat> and usually if some, if we suspect that it might be something with that, Garlic and onion is the first place because Mm -hmm. they just tend to be the most problematic. Mm -hmm. If you look at a FODMAP diet protocol, if you Google it and you look up what a dietitian would post about it, it's really intense. Like you don't want to have an intolerance to FODMAPs because you have to be kind of neurotic for a few weeks about what you're eating. I mean, it is militant. Starting with garlic and onion can be a lot easier. And there's this brand of food called FODYS. It's F-O-D-Y-S that makes a bunch of things that normally would have garlic and onion in it without garlic and onion. Mm -hmm. Condiments, salsas, um, different seasonings, all those things. So Mm -hmm. that could really help you if you are just desperate and you have tried all of these other things we've talked about. You're drinking water, you don't eat fake food, you know it's not gluten, you know it's not lactose. That would be the next resort. And I would definitely recommend that you work with a registered dietitian Mm -hmm. if you decide to do that because it's not an elimination diet in the way that you cut out garlic and onions and you cut them out forever. Right. Um, There are many different foods within this like apples and pears and nectarines and many different foods that have these FODMAP carbohydrates in them. And if you cut them all out forever, it's going to be really Mm -hmm. hard and you're not going to have much fun in your life. So it's more about 
trying to pinpoint exactly which of these sugars or carbohydrates are causing an issue and then also working with the dietitian to bring those back into your diet mm-hmm. and it's not having that sentence of you can never have these again ever that's not what it is it's giving your digestive system a rest and then testing it mm-hmm. to see if you can bring them back in yeah i'm glad you mentioned that it's phased it's mm-hmm. a phase where you eliminate some things and you work them back in and see what you can tolerate yep on a non-food related, well, I mean, it's still related to food, but not ingredient wise, one of the things that can also really help with just general bloating and limiting that natural expansion of the stomach is making sure you're eating slow and chewing your food. I think that's really hard for busy people, especially busy moms, people at work, or people who just like to eat when they're distracted. I know that's something that I struggle with. I'll be scrolling on my phone or watching TV and I just don't chew my food completely you're going to feel a little bit more distended or maybe you overeat because you're not paying attention to how much you're eating. So slowing down, chewing your food, putting your fork down between bites, drinking while you eat or before and after you eat can also help limit some of that natural stomach expansion. And also when you're in a high stress state and you're eating, your body is not going to put energy towards digestion. And so a lot of times it's gonna take your body longer to digest those foods and that will create bloating. And so mm-hmm. that slowing down and making sure you're in a low stress environment and eating is going to be good for that as well. I had a client recently who was in sales and so she's on the road a lot going to different hospitals and she would always eat breakfast and lunch in her car. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I we worked on is eating breakfast at home before she left and making sure that she wasn't just running around while she was eating breakfast and then for lunch actually parking her car Mm. to eat lunch like she's not allowed to drive and eat lunch at the same time anymore and the last time we talked we talked about how much less bloated she felt throughout the day because she was actually giving her body a chance to digest the food amazing yeah we have an episode about that i'll link that in the show notes about how your mood impacts your digestion Mm -hmm. but if yeah you're in fight or flight you're thinking about other things your body's just not going to be in the best position to digest food and cause some distension another thing that can also help with stress and help with constipation and bloating is getting movement in i mean Mm -hmm. if you get your blood pumping if you get things moving it just makes a lot of sense that your body's going to be able to push food through i remember working at the hospital they would have patients walking laps around the entire um unit to help them get some blood flow, get things moving if they hadn't had a bowel movement in a while. Yeah, another reason why you get constipated on vacation, Mm -hmm. whether it's a road trip or whether you're on a plane, you're not moving much Mm -hmm. and you're just sitting there, you didn't get enough fluid like we talked about. So, (laughs) and if you're not exercising, you're used to going to the gym every day and then you're not doing that while you're on vacation, that can be another reason that you're not pooping. Yeah. Agreed. There's a lot of reasons. You just got to play detective. Mm -hmm. You got to be gut detective. The good news is with a lot of digestive issues, there is a solution that you can control yourself. You can manipulate your diet. You can try different things. You can add things in. I find that usually adding things in or in place of the things that you're taking out is the most healthy approach mentally because it can seem a little bit overwhelming when you listen to a podcast like this and you're like, oh my God, should I not be eating this? And can I not eat that? And should I do this? No, no, just go through, take things out one at a time, and then replace them with something else that could really benefit your gut health. The best place to start is by getting a variety of different fiber sources and drinking more water. So it's not just enough of getting more fiber, but make sure you're getting different strands, you're eating different varieties of fruits and vegetables and beans, nuts, seeds, starches, 
really mix up the types of fiber you're getting to help populate a healthy gut microbiome. And as you slowly and gradually increase your total fiber intake, you can start removing some of those artificial sugars and drinking more flat water. Great. I think we covered it. I think so too. Uh, Let's go ahead and do our healthy or not segment. And we decided to pick one that was pretty on topic for today's episode. I get questions about Metamucil all the time because when I look at clients' food diaries or their journals, I often see that they're not getting enough fiber in their day. And they're like, oh yeah, well, I just don't, I don't put on there, but I take Metamucil every day. Mm -hmm. And they think that's a blanket. Okay, I'm getting enough fiber. I would say I would much rather you get your fiber from real food. Mm -hmm. Kind of like we've already talked about. It's just not the same. It's not the same. When you take a multivitamin, it's not the same as getting your vitamins and your minerals from a food. It's the same thing with this fiber. Mm -hmm. If you need Metamucil, there's might be a chance that something in your diet's lacking and you're not getting enough fiber. So maybe trying to switch up your diet before result, you know, uh, going to a supplement could really give you long-term relief and probably give you a lot more benefits that you didn't even know you were missing out on. Feeling better, having more energy, just having a more nutrient-dense diet. Mm -hmm. I also find that Metamucil is kind of hard for some people to stomach unless it's flavored. And last time I checked, they use... Wouldn't you know? Artificial sugars to give it that flavor. And coloring. And coloring. It's like, that's just meh. So trying to get more fiber from your diet. We're always going to be proponents of diet would be the number one recommendation. Yep. So is Metamucil healthy or not? I would say it's not unhealthy, but it's not something that I would put a gold star on. Exactly. I agree. All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.